Hey guys, on this episode of EdTech, we're going to be talking with Scott Tyner and Rob Raspberry as we talk about return on investment in classrooms. We're going to be talking about must-haves versus nice-to-haves and Biamp's acquisition of crowd mics. All this and more on EdTech. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is EdTech, episode 71, ROI in the Classroom. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Extron, industry-leading technology backed by world-class support. And by Chief, the global leader in commercial AV mounting solutions. This is EdTech, the monthly higher ed tech podcast. I'm your host, Bill O'Donnell, and this month I'm joined by Mr. Rob Raspberry. Greetings. How are you? And as well... Mr. Scott Tyner, how are you, sir? Thanks, Bill, for having me. I thought I might not be invited again after the Patriots uh, ran over all the other football teams, but I'm glad that I was. Listen, I just, uh, me being a a, uh, loyal Giants fan, um, the only thing I can take away from this is that we have a number one draft, we have a first round draft pick. Knowing our luck, we're going to still squander it. Moving on. (laughs) Anyways. with everything uh, going on with the new year and everything, uh, just recently we had uh, ISE come through, which, uh, if you're not familiar, is Integrated Systems Europe, which is, you know, for the most part, has kind of taken over. It's it's like a mix of Cedia and Infocom and uh, CES for Europe. Um, I kid you not, a couple of years back, uh, I was there, and, you know, there was, like, the audio pavilion, there's the video pavilion, there's the digital signage, the whole thing. Uh, and it's usually held in uh, um, at the uh, Ray Center in Amsterdam. Uh, however, in the future, I believe they're going to be moving to uh, Barcelona. So yay for tapas in the future. Anyways, um, one of the, it's a couple of the interesting things that popped out of it uh, was the fact that <clears throat> if you look on there, uh, it turns out that Biamp actually uh, went and debuted and showed off their uh, partnership. Uh, well their partnership with a company that they recently acquired, uh, and that is CrowdMics. Now, if you're not familiar with CrowdMics, it is, as I say, essentially it could turn your smartphone into a wireless mic. So, you know, you didn't have to have folks running around or, you know, having a catch mic or anything like that. It was literally just you download the app. As long as the little, they have a little hardware box, as long as it's connected to an um, audio mixer, you could go and uh, control through and send send things back and forth. Uh, now, last month uh, we had actually talked with Scott as, about his article about you know uh, mic, mic placement and more specifically what folks hear and everything. Um, so, Scott, I want to take your ta- I want to hear your thoughts on this because it's one of these things where depending on how Biamp actually does this, is this you know if they actually make it and say, oh yeah, here here's our hardware box separate. You know, would this really be something that we could actually, like, you know, say deploy, or is it just really one of those? This is cool for the auditorium. Don't you dare put this in. You know, I, I could see it in an active learning space, but I just want to have your your thoughts on this one. Yeah, when I looked at this, it actually um, really excited me. Um, I think that this has huge potential. I think it is uh, disruptive, actually, to the whole um, audio audio world, the whole microphone world. And I think the headline of the article we read, which was that Biamp is about to activate 3 billion microphones, <laughs> is kind of just shows the power of this. And the idea that 
I mean, I think they could even sell this box for you know, a lot of money because you're not having to put in all these microphones. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, just, you buy this box, you stick it in a room, and people just take out their microphones and talk. The other really interesting thing about this for me is um, I've always been somebody who has said, when people walk into a, a classroom and you tell them to put their phones away, put their computers away, you're essentially telling them that they're not in the, in the real world. And so this is one of those ways to say, all right, take your phone out. We're actually going to use it here in class. It has the polling features. It has the microphone feature. Uh, I'm, I'm really interested in this, and I can't wait to learn more about it and, and read more about it. Yeah, it, the, the thing that, that's the other thing I find that I, I, I like about this is the fact that you also have polling data and everything. Now, this is, as I say, now this is you know, coming from someone who, who worked in pharmaceutical and worked in the Department of Defense realm. My only concern is this, and it's, this is the other thing too, keep in mind, <clears throat> it's not like there are any like state secrets that go go on when we do a big polling, you know, a big polling of uh, Q and A. Um, however, you know as well as I do that certain faculty members do get kind of will get rather particular as to oh who saw who saw my data, and <clears throat> it's not it's not totally a privacy thing. I think with the faculty members, it's really more of I think they don't want their stuff getting into other folks' hands. Okay, so maybe that is a privacy thing. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> this guy, you look like you got something going there. No, I, I, that's the other thing I really thought about when I read this, but I, I thought more about it's opening up people's eyes, and I know we're going to get these questions about, oh, wait a minute. My, that phone's kind of listening to me. That phone, <laughs> other people can connect to that phone and hear what's going on. So it, it I don't know if it raises privacy concerns, but it raises the awareness of privacy issues for sure. Yeah. Now that's, that's one of those things I think it's going to be, that's going to be one of those kind of give and takes. Um, and Rob, I'll get to you with this one is that say, for example, you had, um, you know, you had the uh, handy dandy app on your phone. I think one of the things that might alleviate some folks fear on that one is, and you know, this, this is always a great debate. Uh, as to whether or not the mic's muted or not, and whether it's open or not, because depending on the manufacturer, uh, you know, some of us would go and say, oh, well, green would mean it's open and red would mean it's closed. Well, true, but I also have, have dealt with folks who have also dealt with uh, audio with, you know, microphone manufacturers who are like, oh, no, the red light on means it's on. I'm like, you know, so there has to be this almost kind of like, there has to, I think there's going to be some ways where it has to kind of alleviate folks and, and alleviate folks' fears in which it says, you know, the mic is, mic is muted or, you know, some, some sort of at least just easy visual, you know, red means stop, green means go kind of thing. And Rob, you're just looking at me like going. <laughs> so, you know, it, 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 this is, you know, Scott, I'm not sure this is per se a game changer because, you know, think about what we're using right now, Zoom. Mm-hmm. You could technically download the app on your phone and dial in and, and connect into a meeting and um, you're good. So in a way, this is, I, you know, I have to take a look at the app, but it, it's somewhat similar, but you're right. I mean, the fact that you walk into a classroom, you know, download the app and you're able to talk from your, your, your phone is, is great. Um, I guess the way it's used might be a little different because you're saying that this now is a microphone, you don't have to install all these microphones in the room, but we can use that on some platforms already. So I'm curious to see how, you know, how it works. I'd love to see it in action, to see 
you know, how it's applied. And of course, you know, you do have to have a moderator if you're having a classroom because you're right. People will naturally leave their microphones unmuted and start talking about all kinds of stuff. And we've seen that many times before. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, I think <clears throat> that if it, if it economically makes sense, and it could very well make sense, then people will be wondering about it. But the privacy point on the phone, I don't know. I think people are somewhat, probably somewhat aware of it. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's great. I think walking into a meeting room and then just, you know, having people use your phones is wonderful. Now my question is, is what's the audio quality like? Is it as good? I know the phones are pretty good these days. Is it, is it the same experience as you would have with, you know, a, a ceiling array microphone in a classroom? I'm just curious about it. Now that one, that's the, the, the one I think is going to be the fun bit is because, you know, as well as I do, now, most folks are usually used to, you know, having it right up to their, right up to their head, headset or, say, maybe using a Bluetooth extension. Um, my money, my money now, as far as audio quality, I, I, I'm going to guarantee it right now. At least the first half dozen uh, versions are going to be folks like this. Yeah, so this and that, and it's like, no, you can just hold it up to you. Either that or the usual mic-eating routine in which, uh, they, you know, they, they bring it up like it's, uh, you know, like it's the uh, yield CB radio uh, clicker, but that's just my theory on that one. Yeah, and I think uh, Robert, I think that uh, some of your points were really were valid. Which is, it's very easy to sit here and say, "Oh my gosh, this is this is so cool," but so many times we see these things come out and they're they're near impossible to use, right? You've got to you got to download it, you got to put in these numbers, you got to connect to this and that. Um, but the other interesting piece, and one of the ones I wonder about is, as far as quality goes, is uh, if there's a delay. Uh, which is going to be an issue, of course. But then another really interesting thing would be if we could also, for hearing impaired people, turn this around and put the audio back through the phone on that app with them wearing you know, a set of headphones plugged in or maybe some AirPods plugged in. And again, there might be a delay there, but if anybody's ever looked at the, the price of hearing aids or the price of putting in um, some kind of loop into the, into the room, it's, it's outrageous. And so you could do this you know, in, in every room. So that would be another really exciting thing if they added it to this. Yeah, that's, um, which actually brings up, uh, we saw it, I think, at uh, Infocom last year. Uh, Ernie actually brought this up. Uh, William Sound actually made a, um, just a straight audio over IP uh, streaming box. But the nice trick about it was that you could download the app and you could listen to it anywhere you wanted. So, you know, you could, if you really wanted to get, get into the nitty gritty of it, uh, and I believe it had a Dante uh, uh, bus. <clears throat> uh, you could you could hypothetically go and make you know assisted listening channels for just about every classroom you could think of and put it on and put it on the smartphone. The back end of that is, uh, as I say, man, I just feel bad for the programmer who would have to like route that back as well as also be the one who actually updates the uh, updates the app for that thing. But that's just you know that's just because you know the folks behind me might be the. Uh, uh, campus uh, uh, AV con controller uh, controls uh, programmer guys, and anytime, uh, anytime any kind of changes come up, it's like yeah, yeah, sure, or what. But anyway, um, <clears throat> now one of the other things that popped up, um, and it's, I think it's cool. It's uh, <clears throat> it's it's a growth in things, and that is uh, Audinate uh, uh, update did an update to uh, Dante. Uh, if you're not familiar with Dante, it is a, uh, well, originally it was a audio over IP protocol uh, to which now they've actually added video. Um, 
which, you know, I looked at and went, cool. And then once you dig deeper into it, um, I believe it's in the same realm as uh, JPEG 2000, um, which once again, it's, it's, it's the eventual move of everyone going over to AV over IP. Um, <clears throat> there's still, as I say, there's still a number of things that I think need to get, still get kind of hammered out and everything with that. I'm going to go and say the automatics are bandwidth as well as uh, jitter and delay. Now, you know, it, it, once again, it's in the same format as, you know, a bunch of us can kind of remember um, the original, original, original uh, version of uh, HD base T in which you had both the D, the M cable, and the, uh, <coughs> uh, the uh, um, uh, call it whatever you want, the Axlink, Crestnet, four wires, death. Um, you know, when they would go and say, oh, it's the all, it's just a single wire. Um, I think it's a good move. It's just, it's one of those things where it's going to get, it just has to kind of move along with these things. And Scott, you're just going to like, you, you, <laughs> I can already see you, you've got this one wound up. So go ahead. <laughs> no, actually, I was, I was actually laughing at the last thing you said about the original, uh, because it was all one wire, right? They took the three wires and they bundled it all in one big wrapping. Therefore, it was just one wire. Uh, no, actually, I'm not, I don't. I'm going to let uh, Rob go ahead and take that. You know, this really boils down, I think, to resources and Bill and Scott. You know, it's, you know, you're talking about, you know, the format that you're delivering video on. And I think as our networks continue to uh, be able to handle more and more bandwidth, I think that kind of stuff becomes, you know, less of an issue. And then when they, you know, come up with even an even more compressed um, delivery method for video. I, I don't think it's going to be that big um, of an issue, depending upon you know how many classrooms or how many sessions you're using. Yeah. Uh, you know, it then you know comes down to the whole thing of the AV slash IT converging and and each one knowing exactly what's happening and how to put devices on the network and systems and Dante and all this other stuff. But I think it's just it just seems to be a natural progression. I mean, it was less than what, two or three years ago? You know, we're sitting at UB Tech or Infocom and they're talking about, yeah, you know, the, this one university is like, you know, doing, you know, all the control systems and, and stuff over, over the network. And, you know, now uh, here we are in 2019 and everybody seems to be jumping on board with AV and, and um, audio and video over, uh, over, I, over, I, you know, over IP, so. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. Um, there, there. Like I said, it's getting straightened out. Um, you know, if you want to learn more about these kinds of things, um, and it's a mouthful, but it, it it is it is actually very helpful. It's the uh, um, SDVOE uh, Alliance, which is software over. Uh, what was it? Uh, you know what? I'm just gonna say, go check it out for yourself. That's what I'm going to say on that one because even my brain is is having trouble at this hour, and not even as I say. Hold on a sec. I actually, so mm. Bill, uh, I, I actually have to say, I, when, when Robert and I were both talking about um, AV over IP, we both messed up our mute buttons. And I wonder if that was some kind of <laughs> Freudian slip about what we think of it, uh, audio <laughs> over IP. Uh-oh. As I say, the, uh, yeah, oh dear. Looks like, uh, it looks like uh, Audinate's uh, starting to develop AI on its back end. Anyways. Um, all right. The other article we have, comes to you from uh, Rave Pubs, and that is uh, Mr. Scott Tyner's own Tyner take here. 
Uh, and that is uh, ROI in higher education. So, Mr. Tyner, if you if you don't mind, I know this is your uh, this is your baby, so you can uh, have a little fun chat with us. And it does tie back into our whole discussion here, in which certain things you look and go and say, "Oh, that's really cool," but is it really worth it? So, you know, I'll let you I'll let you have a bit with this. Yeah, this when I was thinking about this, I we've talked about, and I'm sure anybody who's who's in higher ed has talked about this before. When you look at putting something in a room what's the value of it and it, you can't do it just because it's cool um you you can't you can't always do it just because you think um a a faculty member may may use it um and this particularly for me um comes around the news of lots of schools closing lots of schools merging uh, it's happening um all the time and i think you know in, in the article I, I wrote that oh, since 2016 over 70 colleges have either closed or merged uh, many of them having closed. And so there's a piece to me. I think we always, I always say it at work and I, the people that work with me always say, you know, boy, if this was a business, we'd be doing X, Y, Z. And I think that more and more, um, we have to think about some of these things as a business. So I talk about in here where, when we put in a, a class capture, we really have to think about how many times that's getting used. Um, why it's getting used, what are the faculty doing with it. And we, and we pull those numbers, we report on those numbers. Uh, mm -hmm. And for us, we, there was a time where we were, we were thinking, oh, we're going to put class capture everywhere. And as we look at this, we said, well, it doesn't really make sense to put it everywhere. Here, here's, here's where we're going to put it. Um, and maybe even go back at times and, and look at the use of it in a certain space and move it to another place if it's not getting the uh, return mm -hmm. on investment that it needs to. Yeah, the, one of the things, and, and this has popped up here and there, um, the class capture system, you know, take from me what, what you will from it. Some places like to have, you know, oh, a one button studio. Others like to have, you know, oh, we'll re record in live time and this and that. And it I'm going to tell you, it does depend on the school. Um, you know, here, I won't lie. Uh, we many, many moons ago had this thing, had this uh, system called Tegrity. And we installed webcams. They were just, you know, basic USB webcams like you have here. Maybe the telephoto lens was gussied up a little bit or something. But the thing that ended up happening was that some of the science department would use it. And some of the other science department would look and go and say, uh, yeah, no. And, I, and you know, we'd, we'd come in and there'd be like a tack of paper hanging up right in front of the camera and everything. Because just, you know, they, they had their own privacy stuff or they thought they were being you know, being watched and everything else. And, you know, I'd happily tell them, uh, no, our, our, our data center is not as big as you think it is. Um, but it's, I, it, I think it does depend on the school. And Rob, I know for you guys, uh, you do do a fair amount of uh, class capture and everything, but is that part of, I'm, I'm going to, this is something I'm going to ask both of you. Is this a, as I say, is it, was it something that was originally a standard and that became case by case or has it been the other way around? Or is it just one of those, we have to, you know, we have to hear the bubbling up from either department chairs or faculty, or is it just, you know, does the, the CIO says this, you know, carry the water? Um, so it, it's, now it's really more a case by case and, and it really has never been a standard. Um, I think, in a way, offering the option to have a class recorded would be, you know, great. But the reality is, is that not every school, not every curriculum, not every program requires it or even wants it. Um, so a number of years ago, we jumped on with Mediasite, first, you know, 
entered the fray and put it in a few classrooms as a showcase to technology. And from there, it gained traction, uh, computer science, engineering, these type of schools really lost, they saw great value in it. But even some of the general schools in arts and sciences and some other places didn't really have a need for it. And so it really is, um, was a case by case basis. We were trying to institute it to make it sort of a standard, but it, it never caught complete ground. Now there obviously is value in it. And you have to look at a platform and technology to make sure that you're going to get enough use out of it to put the investment into the technology or into the product. And so even as we talk now, we're looking at trying to find a platform basically to uh, offer to various schools. And you have to involve, you know, uh, the partners and, and, and the people who are going to invest and come together with a group and decide, you know, look at your metrics, see what the usage is mm -hmm. to justify what you have. And it used to sort of not be that way. If something was cool, we'd say, okay, let's put it in there and, and showcase it and see what happens, sort of like a real sandbox. But <laughs> as far as it goes now, that, that certainly isn't the case. You have to be able to justify what you're putting into. So like, you know, smart boards used to be the coolest thing ever. Now you can annotate pretty much on anything. So why are you putting smart boards or any kind of smart displays per se into a classroom when you can either just, you know, oh, and you know, when the price point's gone down on, you know, the ability to annotate on things. Oh yeah. No, the, 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 now this is the one little trick or twist that I've seen with that. And you mentioned smart boards and you mentioned annotation and everything else. It's for us, the, the classroom capture portion has really kind of gone over to, it's more of the college of education. Now for New Jersey, a uh, fun little bit on us, or at least maybe in, uh, as far as our school's curriculum is concerned, they actually require a certain amount of their teaching or their student teaching to be recorded. And so, yeah. And so uh, we actually had to, we actually found um, a manufacturer that went and they set up a recording app. You can put that onto you an iPad and you know, you put a little track, you put like a little Bluetooth tracker on there and then it also had a little, a little swivel pad. So literally you plunked the, you know, you, you had a, a, a little camera that attached to the, the swivel pad. You put the uh, iPad uh, on, you know, in the back of the room. And as you walked back and forth, literally the iPad just went, brr, brr. but it's, it was a low cost alternative because to try to do it on a large scale, like, you know, uh, as I say that, that you or I would do, that would be a, a ton of money. And I, you know, I won't lie. Our school is going through a budgetary shortfall right now. Um, other schools have gone through it. Scott probably, you know, Scott covered it in the article. There are schools, there are places where the schools are looking going saying, that's really cool. Is this a nice to have, or is this a must have? Right. In our case, I, you know, we kind of got thrown behind the eight ball because uh, <laughs> the state of New Jersey says, no, it's a must have. And you're like, dang it. <laughs> yeah. So, so like, I'll give you a couple other quick examples, laser projectors and regular projectors. Mm -hmm. you, know, um, you, you able to justify because you're not replacing bulbs, which cost a quarter of what the projector originally did. And you have a much longer, um, uh, uh, duration of life on the projector because you're not replacing the bulbs. Mm -hmm. uh, it lasts much longer. You can use it much longer. It's much more durable. That's an easy justification for a technology to put into your classroom or say, you know, and 
or to go even another way, you know, the displays versus projectors in certain yeah. spaces, that kind of thing. Those you'll you'll probably end up replacing the motors and the projector screen before you replace the... Re <laughs> replace <laughs> right, the there you go. Which I've done, which right. I'm starting to do. Right, and maybe yeah. I shouldn't say this, but like in our, uh, our evaluation period right now, mm -hmm. I mean, you have the ability with Zoom to record a session. So mm -hmm. in the interim, we have basically said to people, hey, if you need to record a class and you're on a lecture, open a Zoom session up, record it, it'll work in a pinch, you know, um, until we decide, you know, what higher end stuff we can use and, and institute in the classroom. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's a case by case basis kind of thing. And I think, you know, unless you're a Fortune 500 company that can sort of take a look at, hey, this is really cool, let's put it in a couple places and see how it works, we really don't have that, you know, luxury. So uh, you, you guys didn't get the, the, the giant uh, unlimited fund grant that uh, Princeton had for their clean energy. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, I don't have that either. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, that, that actually, uh, look, actually listen, went through a fair amount of their endowment. Right. So, you know, with, you know, Ivy League, hey. Good for that. Know, That's all I'm going to say. Some institutions that'll get what pretty much what they want. Yeah. We ain't one of them. <laughs> so... No. No, Mr. Scott, any uh, any uh, fun words there? Are you good? You're just like looking at us, going like, "What on earth?" No, I I hear you, and I think that everything we just talked about is about thinking about how to use your money wisely. Uh, most of us don't have money just pouring in, into our into our departments. So doing what we can do the best to meet the strategic goals of of the school uh, is more and more on all of our minds. Yeah. So, anyways, sirs. Um, Excuse me. Um, once again, getting sick in February not the best thing. Not the not the best thing for uh, for one's lungs. Anyway, um, that being said, uh, Mr. John, as I say, guys, uh, the only quick thing I was going to ask is um, we're going to be coming up probably on spring break uh, rather shortly, uh, as weird as that sounds. But um, do you guys have any fun projects coming along the way? Uh, no, not really. I mean, we're bringing in uh, some uh, integrators to take a look at a couple of our larger auditoriums to give us some uh, bids and ideas about how to refresh them. But um, just pretty much the standard, maintain the classrooms, take a look, do some refreshes, nothing, nothing unusual. Fair enough. Mr. Tyner? No, we, uh, we're, we are actually on spring break uh, starting Monday here. Oh. Um, you know, who wants to be in Maine in February? So they let let all the students go home. Uh, <laughs> go back to the county. <laughs> we are uh, one of our wonderful uh, AV uh, support people is out on maternity leave for uh, paternity leave. Sorry for uh, a few weeks. So we're kind of just making sure that the ship keeps running and hmm. um, looking at some projects for a couple years out for a couple of new buildings that we're putting up. Fair enough. Um, for me, uh, I'm going to be having the fine folks from Mersive come by. And um, <clears throat> we're going to have some uh, interesting chats about, um, about uh, their dashboard integration, um, which if you've taken a look at it, I do, like, they, just, they literally just released a new uh, software version for it. Um, I like the ideas of some of the things they're putting forward. I'd like it a lot better if I could get their uh, cloud-based uh, dashboard to integrate uh, a little bit better with our stuff. But that's going to be really one of those um, security slides. It's more of a security versus AV um, uh, conversation, which at some point we'll probably have a good chat on that one. In any event, uh, Scott, where can the fine folks find you online? 
You can find me uh, in, in, in Twitter, Twitter, Twitter universe at S Tyner, or you can uh, find me on LinkedIn. All right, Mr. Raspberry. Once I unmute my mic, uh, <laughs> you can find me on LinkedIn, Rob Raspberry, or look at drexel.edu forward slash IT and you'll find me uh, in that department. There we go. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn as well. Uh, once again, this is EdTech, a higher ed, tech, uh, higher ed uh, monthly tech podcast. I'm Bill O'Donnell. And once again, EdTech is a part of the AV Nation podcast. Once again, this is EdTech.